Hello, friends. Welcome to Wednesday Wake Up, a podcast hosted by Gregory Maloof, Buddhist Dharma teacher in the lineage of Ruth Dennison, mental health therapist, and mindfulness coach. Wednesday Wake Up explores the ancient teachings of Buddhism through the lens of Western psychology, neuroscience, and the modern human potential movement. Our commitment is for these teachings to educate, challenge, and inspire you to awaken to your deepest potential to live a truly fulfilling life of wisdom, joy, and compassion. Thank you for joining us. May these teachings serve you well. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Wednesday Wake Up Podcast. Today, we have a special episode because we are here with Lama Lanong Rinpoche and Morty Levine the co-authors of The Tibetan Book of the Dead for Beginners, A Guide to Living and Dying. This is a brand new book that will be coming out in June. Lama Long Rinpoche is a Vajrayana teacher in the Nyingma lineage of Tibetan Buddhism and also directs the Jingmei Lingpa Center in San Diego. Morty Levine is also the president of the Jingmei Lingpa Center and the creator of the Meditation Pro series. Welcome both of you to the podcast. I'm very excited to be here with you. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate it. You're welcome. I thought what we would do today as we get started, I just wanted to kind of start by just grounding my own experience with the Tibetan Book of the Dead and say that, you know, as a meditator for the last uh, 20, 30 years, I've picked up the Tibetan Book of the Dead numerous times. I've never, I have to be totally honest, I've never actually gotten through it cover to cover, (laughs) the Tibetan Book of the Dead. But It's continued to capture my attention over the years. Like I'll start reading it and then I get overwhelmed or confused and I put it down. And then a few years later, I pick it up. And I just have to say, I read your book cover to cover. And for the first time, I feel like I finally understood the significance of the Tibetan Book of the Dead. And I found it to just be a great primer for it. And I was really happy to read it. So I wanted to start by asking... Uh, Lama Longhang, maybe you can uh, get us started and just ask you, what was the motivation for bringing this book into being? Where was the thought process along this book in particular? That I tried to make a simple way. And uh, a couple of years ago, I already said, oh, maybe we should write um, about uh, the book of living and living and dying. And then the uh, COVID-19 happens and all these things happen. Then Maurice said this is uh, a really important times, uh, what's going on in the world, uh, and we can write it. And uh, I said, okay, but uh, I don't know how to write English. So <laughs> he said, okay, we can have you interviews and then I will go to start this way. So. And then uh, I said, okay, this is something I'd really like to do it too, because uh, anything I say, anything I do, that is uh, my motivation is benefit others. That's his motivation. Mori is a wonderful person and uh, very intelligent and uh, also person with the words. Sometimes some people say, oh, we can do something, but... Uh, Maybe 10 years still talking, or five <laughs> years still talking. So uh, I say in that's the way sort of influence of the Mori, because really he's the one kind of overall one, the idea, and uh, so behind everything. And so, yeah, I'm happy to join with them and to start this. So something like that, very simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. 
Yeah, Morty, I'm curious how much did, as uh, Rinpoche was saying here, how much did the COVID-19, you know, epidemic really bring the death and dying to the forefront of your mind as far as like motivation for now being a great time to reintroduce this for beginners? Uh, how much was that for you? Yeah, that was the main focus, really. I mean, Lama or Rinpoche is a master, of course, in, uh, in end of life and uh, death and bardo and things like that. And I'm sure we'll talk more about that. But so I always knew that because that's why I became a student of his. But during COVID, millions of people were dying. And, and we don't think about it now. But back in the day, that first few months, people were in a morgue out on the streets of Manhattan you know, literally. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and if we knew someone who was dying or a loved one or a friend, we were shocked by it, surprised, as were they. And so that occurred to Lama and, and myself that we as a Western civilization were not prepared for this event. And, um, and, and in the Tibetan tradition uh, and the Buddhist tradition in general, uh, we talk quite a bit about death, not mm. to be morbid, but really as a way to celebrate life. So COVID and uh, so, so Lama's background, as well as the COVID experience were really the motivations for, for us. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, I, I remember having that same experience of, um, like you were saying, so much death so quickly without preparation and the shock of it, how to mourn, how to grieve, how to how to process the meaning of what was going on was difficult for so many people, specifically those who, you know, lost family members. But if you think of it in terms of the millions of people who passed away and then multiply that by their family members grieving, it's a lot of grief and, you know, collective consciousness that was you know, struggled to find support because it was happening so quickly and, and so strongly in the society. So I when I read the book, that's one of the things that really struck me uh, as a growth edge in my own practice. What I really liked about the book is that it celebrates the process of dying as a mirror of the process of living and gently coaxes and encourages us to prepare now because death, when it's not prepared for, can be shocking and traumatizing. And we can actually practice now to prepare for that process when it does happen. And I found that very nourishing. I found that to be a really supportive um, aspect of the book. And I hadn't thought about it for myself. When I was reading the book, I thought, oh, I'm not prepared for this. I'm definitely not prepared yet for this. And I definitely need to get some practice in. So I found that to be hugely supportive part of the book. Um, that idea that we can prepare now for something that can come at any time and can be quite shocking um, in the experience. One of the things I really enjoyed about the way the book was laid out was that you start the book off talking about some pretty basic or fundamental, I should say, not basic as an easy, but fundamental to Buddhist concepts such as karma, rebirth, and self, and how these concepts are somewhat foundational to understanding how the Tibetan Book of Living and Dying functions. And I, I really found your explanations to be quite clear and eloquent and um, simple and practical. And I was wondering, uh, Lama Lanong, can you talk just a little bit about, and specifically in Tibetan Buddhism, and it may be a, the same across Buddhisms, but just how you see karma and self relating to our preparation for death? How, how, is, how can we understand 
not self karma and intention in a, in a way that helps us to prepare and understand uh, both living and dying in the uh, the buddha dharma is uh, the status with the suffering of the samsara the suffering of the samsara is the the circle of the life no endless of the lives uh, we are coming again and again because of the karma. The seeds of the karma, seeds of the nirvana, seeds of the low realms is our mind. So, so therefore, so it's a karma is the really is the important the part of Buddha Dharma. The Buddha's teachings is based on in the cause and effect of the karma. So the karma starts with our mind. So uh, it's you can hide nothing. You see the <laughs> this the karma. So uh, this the karma, why the karma is the the lead of the karma by the ignorance in the five poisons and that's why this ground of the seeds of the samsara that starts. So, in that's why when we understand the suffering of the samsara in the Buddha's like main teachings of that in the the, the, the four noble truth the, the suffering, then the the suffering is really we have to recognize. Then suffering where it comes comes with the karma. The karma is it's like you see. Sometimes we think as oh, I'm not getting any negativity, but actually sometimes we may be sitting on the sofa watching news. We wish to want the politicians, they wish to die or killed or something. Actually we're creating karma, you see? And then also you drive in the highway or freeway. Maybe you kill cats or maybe birds or rabbits. You kill something, you really sad, but actually that animal's karma that moment need to die because you don't want to kill it because mm. you don't have a motive. That's why karma is like uh, you can lie. So in the best, uh, like we, we can put in um, uh, all the Buddha's teachings of the other different uh, lineage, uh, the southern lineage or northern lineage, uh, all is the best on karma. Mm. So first we have to recognize it about the, we understand the suffering of the samsara. And then where it come from is the suffering of samsara is actually is illusion, but the same time is the karma of the five poison. Then we have to be purified the five poisons through the practice mantras and prayer meditation and also mind practice they go through with the Dutch so in that's why is a karma is so important uh, in uh, Buddha Dharma and also in very important in this book because uh, also connected with the, everything is karma so in that's why uh, what's right now, this moment, is uh, that we 
connecting with the karmas of the past in the future. So sometimes people say, oh, I wanted to know my past. Then I say sometimes, okay, look in the mirror, then you know what you <laughs> did in the past. And some people say, oh, I wanted to know my future next life. I said, don't worry about what you're doing and just look in your mind. Your mind is good, then you have good future for sure. But your mind is full of negativity, then for sure you have a difficult future. It's like you see the mind is connected with our health, mind connected with our family, mind is connected with our business, mind mm -hmm. connected, that's the karmas, the seeds of the karma, how you work with it. So there, I don't know at this quarter, but uh, there's so many ways we can talk about that, too. but it's just a little bit, of, you know, it's just simple. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting something that was very much... Uh fundamental to the book and what you're saying is that we have this whole path which is about liberation from suffering but in order to understand liberation from suffering as you're saying there is the foundation of cause and effect so karma is the foundational energetic motion that is moving samsara so to speak right both in the bigger picture but also moment to moment with our behaviors our mind is filled with particular intentions and activities and it, the mind has this significant role moment to moment in creating or creating new karma, letting go of old karma. But the, the biggest picture of samsara, especially what I got out of the, the book that you wrote, was that the, the practice that I'm doing now around my karma is directly impacting not only how I experience death, but also bardo, which we'll be talking about in a little bit, and rebirth. So it's not just something that has to do with just day to day, but looking at karma and action is important for the rebirth as well, right? This is like it connects all the way down the line. Oh, so yeah, definitely. Yes, that's why and the Buddha talk about a lot about karma and suffering of samsara, mm -hmm. the cause of the samsara is karma. Gotcha. Okay, thank you. Morty, um, would you like to talk a little bit about the sense of self and how Buddhism we describe self and how it relates to moving into this idea of living and dying, like the nature of self, and maybe connected a little bit to what um, Lama Lanong was saying about samsara or karma? Uh, Greg, how come you gave me the hard questions? <laughs> <laughs> I'm supposed to get the easy questions. Lama's here for the hard questions, okay? That's right. He's the answer man, as you said earlier. I could have done karma, but now I got to do the self, okay? So um, actually, I'm going to flip it just a little bit. I do want to add a little bit more to what Lama was saying about karma. Mm -hmm. And I think we'll get a very precise answer on self from Lama, if that's okay. Um, so... The main reason we started off with karma is because people don't, who don't understand karma, which frankly is a lot of Buddhists as well, then something happens to us and we go, oh my God, why did that happen to me? And we're just shocked by it. You know, uh, if I yell at my wife and she yells back, I'm like, don't yell at me. Well, you know, obviously, so we're always surprised by what happens. And, um, and once we start to understand law of cause and effect, or karma, then we're less surprised by it. And we realize that it's really our own creation. 
And as you indicated before, this book is not just about what happens when we die next year, 10 years, 30 years, 40 years, but it's what do we do next moment, next minute. And that starts and creates, uh, we'll call it a healthy habit or a healthy karma, which continues on as we continue on. So that at the moment of death, a moment before death, a week before death, we're already preparing and prepared along the way. So it's not like, hey, let me go prepare now and then I'll be good in 30 years. <laughs> yeah, it, you don't do it. You spend the weekend preparing and then live the rest of your life from there. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, it's a work in process, which we start now, hopefully, and continue moment to moment until the, the, that uncertain moment of death arrives. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to let Lama answer the, uh, the hard question <laughs> about, about the self. Yes. And the reason I bring that up too is in the book, you, you definitely start the book off with an idea about karma and self. And the idea of self in the Dharma is such a confusing idea anyway. Self, not self. Is there a self? Is there not a self? If, if there isn't one, what gets reborn? We could go down that rabbit hole. But I really actually appreciated in the book how you explained in different ways the idea of self in Tibetan Buddhism and uh, why it's important to understand that as we look to understand our mortality and our life. And so maybe Lama Lanong, you can talk a little bit about what is the self from a Tibetan Buddhist point of view? Um, Tibetan Buddhist point of view is that is the central debate, Dalit. It's a very important topic for <laughs> all Buddhists, you see. So why this kind of self is, uh, I will go with the mind. So what you really think in this moment, that is yourself, actually. And uh, what you want, also what you want, that's you, you have that uh, opportunity and uh, also you have that gift to you want to be a good person, kind of person. What you want is the, that starts with, the, I just say, is the, your mind. And once, <laughs> I want to bring this story. In Tibetan, there's one old Lama, and he has student. And this Lama was teaching the very highest teachings of the emptiness. There's all is illusion. There's nothing, there's a self. And then what the student said, Lama, I got it. Now I understand everything. There's no you, there's no me. Everything is illusion. And old Lama said, oh, yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah. Then he picked up his walking stick and hit his head. Boom. <laughs> Lama, ow, ow, I hurt me. Oh, not yet. So you have self. You need more work hard. <laughs> So you see, so the self now as a Buddhist, as a we are, I can say, minds of the sign or the study of the mind. Mm -hmm. This meat is not self, the bones are not itself. And this body is, everybody has this body, it's not self, but your thinking is different. Like the space, and everywhere different weathers. You see, it's just one space, but uh, one way is uh, tornadoes, one place maybe hurricane, one place 
most beautiful weather, right? The same is everybody, uh, maybe people live in the same place, eating same same kind of food in the same country. People, everybody has different mind. That's gotcha. why the mind is connected with the the our mind. That's why the Buddha told. Work, you know, and work with our mind. We have to tame our mind to understand. Otherwise, we are mind. Our mind is full of the delusion, and also so much strong ego. Like it's oh me, my country, my family. I am so and so so important. Yeah, <laughs> the attachment. Big self we created. So that's why the sub is what you think and consciously that is the sub. As a Buddhist, especially Vajrayana Tibetan Buddhist, we say it begins to yourself is an ordinary person full of five poisons such as ignorance, anger, attachment, pride, and jealousy. Uh, so work with that to transform the our sub is uh, first is very important to, to uh, loving kindness and compassion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You t- you talk a lot about understanding karma now, so we can understand its impact as we move towards bardo, right, and as we move towards rebirth that we need to understand it in the present moment in order to prepare and to purify, to make make that process easier and less shocking and more manageable, correct? Yes, and as a Buddhist, it's very important to really need the work with our mind is the, the ground of the karma. Right. But also, ordinary world is, if you be kind and generous to others and enjoying your life, Imagine when the death comes, you really happy to die because like, oh, I have good life, I did good things, I'm ready. You see, the, mm-hmm. just the instant karma of the death, so if you really just enjoying your life and live with the peace and kindness, that moment also joyful living, peaceful way dying. Nice. It's like you see... If you don't know the death, the death is a very difficult thing. But if you learn in the death, there's so many levels ways to learn it. Even though you can say death is liberation. In Tibetan tradition, we have poas. Really, if you practice poa, you can really just see people liberated and just somebody dead. You do poa and make a host like come and just you don't need to touch there just opens or you in the really you practice power deep enough anytime you want to die you can just sit and die gotcha it's kind of amazing thing yeah i noticed that in the book i'll get back to that the poet practices there's a whole chapter on it and i really appreciated that um thank you for your explanation of the significance of karma i i really did find it quite nourishing to to look at my present moment experience as something that's impacting the end of life. So I wanted to talk a little bit about bardo because this is big in the book. Um, the, the, mo- the biggest kind of part of the book is on how living affects this transition. And as a, you know, Theravada Buddhist, 
we don't talk much about this part of the path. This is very much explored in Tibetan Buddhism. Um, I've, of course, heard the term and, and read certain things about it. But uh, Morty, maybe you can chime in here and talk a little bit about Bardo and the significance of this um, in practice, because this for our Theravada friends, this is its own teaching. That's it's quite miraculous and interesting. I found when I was reading the book. Right. Well, I'm glad you you learned something from it. And just like I did before, I want to add something else to the sense of self. Sure. And then I'm going to let Lama answer the question on the Bardo. So as Lama said, you know, a lot of the stories we tell ourselves, that's our sense of self. And that constantly changes. I'm a good person. I'm a bad person. I'm a good father. That's how we, you know, create that sense of self, which is always changing. And depending on how much we hold on to that sense, that opinion that we have, if we're really, I'm the best, I'm this, and we hold on really, really tight to it, that type of grasping creates negative karma. Mm -hmm. The more self-centered, selfish, the more I hold on to who I think I am, I'm a good podcaster, I'm a best Buddhist, that creates negative karma. When I'm very open-minded and I'm very generous and I'm very other-centered, that creates positive karma. So we have the ability to, so, so some people think karma is, oh, I'm going to make sure I brought, you know, uh, I, I give to charity. Well, that's nice. Give to charity. That's wonderful. But the essence of it comes in how much we view, how hard we attach and hold on to that sense of self, our opinions, our likes, our dislikes, who we think we are. Hold on really tight. Negative karma. Mm. If you're more flexible and open-minded and generous and take others into account first, then that creates positive karma. So when you do that type of life and then the, you know, and you practice that five years, 10 years, 20 and you, and you're about to die. Well, your sense of self is very light and that's how it's easier to have what we'll call it a, a good death because you're not, you're not so opinionated. Oh, I can't believe this happened to me. This shouldn't happen to me. Well, <laughs> I mean, you're attached to your body and all these attachments we have, you know, are very, that's what's the big shock as we die. And when you don't have those attachments, then um, you're more likely to have, we'll call it, or as Lama said, you know, a, a better, a good death because yeah, you're, you're just ready to go. It's all good. Right. That's interesting. I, I find that a real um, refreshing take on on karma, because I think you're right. In my experience with myself and students, when we think of karma, we immediately think of like sort of good deeds, like I just going to do a bunch of good deeds and I don't want to do bad deeds, which, of course, is there in the understanding of karma. But what what the book focuses on even more so, as you just described, is the importance of how we view ourselves, how much contraction of the heart is there in our life. And I think in the book, you, the, the word that you used, the phrase that I really liked was, um, how much self-importance is, is there? Are you clinging to self-importance, which I found to be a really helpful phrase around self and not self and looking at my own self and thinking, oh, wow. Yeah. How do I, how much in my life, it's not as much about the good deeds or bad deeds or this and that. It, you can do those things and still be really clinging to the sense of self-importance. I am this, or I am good at that. And 
I can see what you're saying that that becomes baggage moving into end of life that that contraction of the heart that exists as we move towards death that becomes significant consequence as we move towards death and to, to Bardo. Right. And, and then when you look at fears, the fears that we have, oh, why am I so afraid about losing money? Why am I so afraid about oh, you know, whatever the fear is? Well, that's because we're so attached. But if we don't have that attachment, mm -hmm. then we don't have that fear. And then if I'm not that attached to my body because I've practiced that I know it's ephemeral, it's impermanent, I'm getting older, sickness is just part of it, and I, and I, and I have that state of mind, then when it's time to die, I don't have a fear because I, that just totally makes sense. I'm not attached right. to the body. Right. And I, I'm glad you mentioned that because there is another part in the book that I also found really helpful, which was what you just mentioned. I never stopped to think that the conglomeration of a life of fearfulness and the attachment that it brings over time, the, the karma that accumulates from, and I'm a worrier, so <laughs> self-disclosed here, I'm a worrier and fear is a big one for me. So that, that kind of struck me when I was reading the book that I never thought like, wow, if I have this much fear when I'm shocked by a terminal illness or when I have a real bad sickness, how is that karma going to manifest if I've spent so much time contracted in fear and worry and concern? Then, of course, when something big comes up like death, dying or sick, a significant sickness, those seeds of karma are going to be at the door there. And I, ha I hadn't thought of it in those terms, but it, I find that to be helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So one of the things I liked about the book, and again, this is coming from my perspective as a Theravada Buddhist, um, I did not realize, or I just hadn't considered, and this is obvious for Tibetans, I guess, Tibetan Buddhists, but so it goes unsaid as, a, as any kind of Buddhists, right? Any tradition that we do practice because rebirth is part of our, our cosmology and our idea of this. So we, we do have that sense I'm practicing now, not only for present moment experience, but to ensure that there is eventual release from samsara. And so that I understood and had heard before. What I didn't catch until I read your book was that the, we're also preparing for this thing that we call bardo, which is the space in between death and rebirth, and that work can be done there, and karma and the way we live and the way that our hearts and minds are open or contracted actually determine how we experience the moments after death. So, uh, Lama Lanong, can you talk a little bit about what bardo is and how how this plays out, like the way we live and how it impacts this experience of of what you call bardo? Then uh, bardo is, uh, means uh, between. Bardo means between. Between means sort of we are born and die. It is called Jagni bardo in Tibetan. Jagni bardo is like this, the, is a bardo of living. So, what is does is uh, sort of uh, in the Buddha's teachings is uh, we are born again and again and again and again 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 endless lifetimes. Uh, so, but uh, in the Dharma, in the Bardo teachings talk about uh, really we get a precious human life hmm. is a very rare. There's so many ways we can talk about, but I just want to be simple. But the, the simple is that we have to realize 
in the world they have more than six billion people how many people really practice loving kindness and compassion and something really doing others very where to found mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know go back we talk about mind self a lot of people do for themselves like i'll become unfamous i'll do this or i'm be generous i'm doing that or i'm going to create merits that's why i do this not just a sort of there's no pure motivation is a very well right so that's right. why we as a as a buddhist very important to in this part though is the beautiful gift where it's actually like just kind of wizard like to do accomplish something uh we have this best vehicle of human body speech and mind is we call then also we have chance to connected with the buddha dharma you see in this part though and now how you want to use the in the buddha dharma and also if you use proper way you can benefit from um, countless beings mm -hmm. countless mm -hmm. beings also you can use proper way you can uh laws right now we just talk about the self the laws as there's a karma laws as we have live with the cause and effect we are uh, have self but when sure. we are free from karma then there's no self we are so so in the so that's the reasons and in, in this part is a very very important but in also in this part also we have dream battle is like connected with when we are sleeping to waking but the truth in buddha's teachings is everything is dream it's we think is okay right now is real but we are in the computer it's like a dream so what i'm saying is our past is dream because your last night's dream in your past no difference you can stand mm -hmm. then then all the future we plans in dreaming so and then this moment is between the dreams so that's a kind of so but and the next time also the which called in teaching which called dream pardo so now you see you how you work with this part of your rebirth to death between is you have full vintage but we all wants to have have in rich enlightenment we all want to have peace we all want to have all so and so on. we want good things but actually what we doing is not brings that you see right. what I'm saying is yeah you were saying earlier that we're not spending enough time so to so, speak yeah, yeah the yeah, dharma to do that even though sometimes as we as a buddhist we say oh okay this is my meditation time or this is my practice time but when we enter into buddha dharma means actually buddha dharma is a way of life you see 
that's a packed time or not packed time. Everything's packed time. Mm-hmm. When you wake, you go to sleep, you're talking to somebody, or you're doing something, you pray, or even though you work in your garden, that is beautiful meditation and practice. Also, you have to kill those bugs and germs, and you have to do make sure they're liberated in two. So there's a, so much karma and cosmic connections. So that's why we have to go through this part, those that's the reason we have the self. So the, the, there's the karma and there's a way of feelings. That's the way we have the self. But right. uh, we can be rich in enlightenment. We have a chance to be free uh, of self, free of others. Self, uh, you know, we just sort of starts with the we kind of free from the grasping, attachment, pride, and anger. So that's the reason we are here practice as a Buddhist we really this is we have to recognize it, the importance of the vehicle of the self. Then also we see the suffering of the samsara. Then we want to this moment to this part that we want to be make sure, take advantage to liberate ourselves to in the in the Vajrayana, we always kind of put the all sentient beings first. So, uh, in in when you put the, all the sentient beings first, actually, and you are free too, because there's the most time I want to be first. I want to be sure. me. <laughs> I uh, mean, but mine, when yeah. you put the others, there's no self. There's no suffering. There's as long as the, you have self. That's the way we have to go through these pardos. So pardo means kind of between. So and it's connected from your from what you said. It sounds like there's the connection between how we process karma and our sense of self in the in life and how our life becomes practice. Then that directs what we experience in that moment of bardo. Correct? Like that that nurtures it. Oh yeah, it. Def- definitely yes, and. Um, we always saying, oh, and now this year I'm busy, but next year I really do something. Oh, this now I'm busy, but then I'm retired, then I really do something. That just means we waste a lot of time, energy, practice. As a Buddhist, I say, it's this moment we have to start. Then we transform in this moment then there's no such thing feature. So everything is kind of automatically follows. Mm-hmm. Everything has a cause and effect. So, and that's why in this part of human rebirth is a very important part of, because maybe we Next part, the next part though of next life is maybe we born in another life. We don't have chance, you see. So this we really build something good foundation of good chance. And then definitely the, everything follows. Right, right. Yes, we want to do the work here so that when we have that experience of in between before rebirth, because we want to encourage the the outcome to be human birth, the preciousness of human birth the, the next time around, and that that lifestyle of letting go of self, 
aggrandizement, for lack of a better word, that self-perpetuating ego um, seems to give us a chance. Can you clarify, I'm really curious, can you clarify that in Bardo, it, in the that space in between, as you call it, that gap in between death and rebirth, is there practice being done it sounds like in that space that practice can is still continuing or maybe i I'm, maybe i'm not understanding that but do you train in dream yoga and in tibetan dream practices so that when bardo arises that you can navigate it there's some kind of navigation that that happens uh yes definitely um uh there's a dream bardo uh, teachings I do uh, I lead people like weekend and the retreats and uh, all day retreats uh, talk about doing bardo but uh, mainly and uh, the bardo of the journey bardo like the birth to death mm -hmm. and then the chaka bardo is like uh, the bardo of death and death and dying gotcha. so in that sense they have all different levels of the teachings about uh, what is the about the really death, and the death is in in general we can say death is natural thing mm -hmm. because the birth means we born means we die, and death and birth. But the death is very difficult because we have so much grasping and attachment to ourselves, right, right. our possessions, our relatives. But when you died, even though you're the richest person in the world, that you can take a penny. Um, so in this part, though, is you have maybe thousand relatives, but they may be going to cry and say, don't die, don't leave. Maybe they shake you, but uh, they don't have you. Maybe you have a lot of money doesn't go with you. Uh, so only who's go with you is karma. Right. So the saying is like this part is the most difficult. That's why in, uh, in uh, Parmasamba, these teachings is the, the most really explains about and the death and dying. Like just to how to preparing and how to the die of our body, what, what's the process of our body. Right, right. Then also our nerves and how, then our elements in, in the death experience, inner death, uh, all the levels of the, the, the death. If you study that, then there's no death. Death is liberation. Gotcha. So it's, beautiful. Uh, it's like when we are child born, everybody's mother is so much pain, almost die. The child is almost die too because could push out. So, but everybody say, come graduation, say, ah, oh. But the mother can really talk. I think, yes. <coughs> you see, when they die, everybody's crying, but it's something most is more have peace. Mm -hmm. So, so in especially in the, the part of the death, you if you study, you can sub-guide, sub-liberate, 
so there's so many uh, many levels uh, and many layers of the of the experience the experience of the the part of the death. Gotcha. So that's why in this bardo go back, and then the also the bardo of the meditation, the the med the part of shamatha shenyata, uh, that the bardos also how you meditating, and that's also connected with the death too. So you are really. Uh, brings the Buddha nature and stays um, inseparable with the Buddha nature, and that means when you die, it's no you no need die, so you can inseparable with the Buddha nature and meditating just okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you put that. I thank you for that explanation. I really appreciate the way that you tie in, like the practice of living, and, and that's what I really got out of the book, is the practice of living is the practice of dying, and that it doesn't have to be, as you said, shocking or traumatizing, but it it will be if the practice of living is done with the sense of contraction and self-making and self-importance, and the way we contract and live our lives, then it leads to these other experiences beyond death and and you had highlighted earlier something in that explanation i thought that was really important which was that most of the time we might think that we're doing good or purifying karma but how many of us day to day are really focusing on something other than the self rather than i'm doing something good but there's an attachment to the i i'm doing something good right i'm being compassionate i'm better than him her right. i'm such a generous person right and and all of this energy that moves us towards death and and beyond all this work that we do here and now changes that experience and and i have to say again that's what i really found fascinating about the book was the way you connected self and karma, uh, compassion and wisdom, and how we do those practices day to day. And we don't wait, we don't put it off, right? We, we, do, we do it now and we, we live the life now as a lifestyle. And that by doing that, death becomes a celebration, death becomes an opportunity for liberation. Otherwise, we, we sort of approach it accidentally and somewhat haphazardly. And it can be traumatizing and shocking because we're we're ill prepared and we're clinging, and perhaps we bring a lot of fear to the moment or a lot of confusion to the moment. And I, I found your teachings in the book to be really it put me at ease in a particular way. I, I really hadn't thought of death in in light of living my life in practice, so that when that comes, I end up experiencing that as something as an opportunity and a celebration rather than a, another thing to fear or. Uh, and, I, and I can see how for myself, if I live my life with this self-importance of I am, I am, I am, then the facing the fact that I am not at death is not going to be a really, I can see how that's not going to work out great for me, to say to say the least. I thank you for your time and your explanation and the book. I, I really enjoyed it. I, as I said earlier, I... Having picked up the Tibetan Book of the Dead several times and not having been able to complete it, I find after reading your book that I'm now inspired to go back to see what I perhaps wasn't ready for. And I just found that the way you laid out the book, one thing I wanted to mention is that uh, for those who are going to be listening to this is that the book actually outlines really clearly 
step-by-step instructions for loving kindness, self-compassion. It also talks about how to be with folks as they pass on, uh, to be with folks as they're dying, working with ourselves in the in those kind of states. And I thought that was very helpful. Those chapters in the book, I, I really appreciate it. I'm definitely going to go go back to that. And also how the book does talk about and connects very well how our daily meditation practice impacts short-term and long-term and how compassion and wisdom works itself out in karma and the self in the present moment, but also impacts how we experience bardo and where bardo leads for rebirth. And that connection was very fascinating and interesting and very educational for me. So I just wanted to thank you for that because I I really got a lot out of um, the teachings in the book very much so. So thank you for, for writing it. I hope people... Uh, get a chance to really enjoy enjoy that when it comes out at the end of June, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, June twenty seventh. We're very excited. Great. How might folks get a hold of you or get in touch with uh, your teachings or the center? Is there a website you might want to give a shout out to? Oh, thanks. Yeah. So our website is BuddhistSanDiego.com. BuddhistSanDiego.com, and our email is JigmaLingpaCenter at gmail.com. Great. And we will definitely put that in the show notes for you. you. For sure. For sure. Well, Morty and um, Lama Longong, I really appreciate your time. And thank you for the teachings and your commitment to uh, these practices. I just really appreciate you sharing that with us. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Uh, We appreciate your time. And uh, we are here because of you. You here because us, we are exist at this moment. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Gregory. Thanks for joining us here at Wednesday Wake Up. We honor the traditional Buddhist practice of offering the teachings without charge. So this podcast will always be ad-free and will never be behind a paywall. This podcast is sustained exclusively by the generosity of listeners. If you've received value from this podcast and have found your life or practice enriched by listening to it, you can support Gregory as a teacher by going to our website, www.wednesdaywakeup.com, and click on Donate at the menu on the top. While you're here at the website, join our mailing list and follow Gregory on Instagram at Gregory Maloof Dharma. Thank you again for listening. May all beings be happy.